Hello, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Raising OKC Kids. Today, we are talking about picking the right dog to join your family pack, as well as how to make a furry friend feel safe and welcome among your kids. Joining us today is trainer extraordinaire Angel Soriano of K9 University, LLC. Welcome, Angel. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I, I appreciate the moment. We're really excited to jump in today, and I'll start with some introductions on a bit of your background. Angel Soriano, MS, is an established behaviorist who founded and operates the largest dog training facility in the Midwest, Canine University, LLC, and Dog Bite Safety, LLC, right here in Oklahoma City. Canine's programs focus on severe canine behaviors and dog bite safety. Angel has held memberships and licenses from multiple agencies and organizations and has been training dogs since 1985. His expertise covers drug dogs, search and rescue, tracking, cadaver search, personal protection, police dogs, severe behavior curving, and occupational dog bite safety. He also served as the chairman of the board for the Oklahoma State Board of Commercial Pet Breeders from 2010 to 2012, and even holds several U.S. patents on advanced techniques and specialized training disciplines, such as perfect balance and occupational dog bite safety. His passion is to protect children from dog bites, as they are usually the ones that are attacked the most. And we're so honored to have you here again today, Angel. I'd love to open up our discussion by hearing more from you about your journey having pets in the home, why and how you chose the dog breeds that you had in your home, why you're passionate about helping families find their best dog, and also training them to be sure that kids are protected from dog bites. Um, it's kind of a long one, but I'll shorten it for discussion today. Uh, my, my journey really into the dog business, dog industry, dog you know, lover, if you may, started as a kid. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it started. We always had dogs around the house. It was a thing my dad enjoyed having. It was always German Shepherds. And I think in dating back and looking back at this, it's, it was really about protection. And my dad was, you know, making sure that the family was protected at all times. And these German shepherds that we had did exactly that. And that, that was my journey. That's how I started. Um, and it's interesting because when you do this as a child and you have dogs around you at all times, there's a lot of things about dogs that they just become normal. And you start understanding the language and you just know it as you progress along later on, you know, you come across some great trainers and some great behaviorists that walk you the rest of the way. But there was a lot of things that are normal. They're just, you know, things that you pick up as a factor of life. Okay, so that, that was kind of the beginning as, as far as uh, the dogs. Well, we've always had German Shepherds around my house as well. And it's been, you know, for many reasons, they're very loyal animals. Simply, uh, the, the funny story, not a protection animal. And, uh, and, and then I have a Maltese mix that came, uh, you know, through a family that, that could not deal with her anymore, and we took her in. And then uh, we, you know, we, we lost our last German Shepherd about a year ago. So we're in transition on the German Shepherd piece of it. We, you know, it's a family member, and it's hard, it, it's hard to just replace the dog. So we don't. We just wait until the day that it feels right to come across another dog. And that's, that's what we're at on that. So anyway, it's, it's, it's been a journey for, you know, 
uh, from the training side of it, the professional side, about 38 years. Uh, life, gosh, you know, I won't date myself, but it's been my whole life. I love hearing your extensive background and how your passion for animals, dogs started at an early age. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, it's so fun having a dog in the house growing up with a pet, um, but it's also tough having a problem dog, quote unquote, when you're raising children. There's nothing sweeter than when a dog blends into your family and enhances your life and you kind of see your kids come to life around the animal. Um, and we all want to get there, no matter what kind of pet we have in the house. So when families first bring home their puppy or maybe a rescue dog, what should the immediate next steps be, especially if you start to notice behaviors that might not be appropriate with children in the room? Yeah, that that is a really good question, Kirsten. So here's the bottom line dogs are social animals and as such they want to blend in um, you have families that are, may not be ready for that and they they really want an outside dog uh, remember dogs are social and if you're going to have the dog just be an outside dog just know that there's going to be some behaviors you'll never be able to deal with right and that's because this dog wants to socialize with your pack and you're excluding him from your pack Mm -hmm. so um so anyway so that's you know first order of business is that now next is before you have behaviors because that, that was a question well placed and you know uh, you know what should we do when when the dog starts having behaviors i would suggest that the training the 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 impacting that's going to go on with this animal starts the day you bring them into the house you know they want to blend in remember that point of it well then blend them in with the rules of your pack, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have you have your own rules in your house. Uh, is this dog gonna be allowed on couches or not? That Everybody should be in on that. I, I don't coach people either way. You know, it's your life uh, and it's your animal, it's your family. What do you wanna do, you know? Uh, but there should be no confusion to the dog because, uh, you know, one spouse member says no couch, the other spouse member says it's okay to be on the couch in the bed. You're really setting confusing rules and the dog is just going to mess up. You're setting them up to mess up with the wrong member mm -hmm. um, and you're, you're typically going to have issues. So, so back to, geez, you're, you, 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 you know, adopt the dog or you purchase the dog for that matter and you bring them home, whether it's an eight-week-old puppy or a year-old dog, Start the training on that same day. Reach out to you know a training organization and say, "Hey, I have a three-month-old. I have a you know eight-week-old. What do I do?" And we're all very willing to coach you as to what you need to do, but it must take place. And I, I often use kids as an example. You know, you would not leave your kid untrained, and what I mean by that is unschooled. Uh, you either homeschool them or send them to an organization, send them to public school, send them to private school. It doesn't matter. The point is. You don't just say, hey, let me wait until little Johnny starts breaking windows. And maybe at that point, we're going to have to send him to school. You know, you start the formation immediately upon, you know, this child having some comprehension, right? Uh, certainly you wouldn't do it with a baby, but, you know, there's going to be a point, you know, at a year, a year and a half, two years of age where there's a bit of comprehension. Well, you start that formation with them. Why skip the dog, right? So you start it before there's, there's issues. Now, there is the dog that is going to arrive at your house already with issues. Let's say you adopt a, a you know, more of a grown-up, a year, year and a half, two-year-old dog, which is great. There's plenty of them around. Um, and, and you'll notice right away, maybe there's a, there's a behavior that you have to deal with. Well, you know, reach out. There are plenty.
plenty of us in the business that understand behaviors well. And most dog behaviors are curable, they're fixable if we can coach the parents, the family in the proper way, including aggression. It, okay, mm -hmm. it's, it's the kind of kind of work that if you do it upfront and, and you do it correctly, the issue will go away. That's very encouraging. I know a lot of us with dogs in the house, they're overwhelmed. You know, if there's kids and the, running around, the dogs running around, you're trying to fix a lot of behaviors at once. So even just hearing you say behaviors are fixable, I think is very encouraging for a lot of us listening today. How long do you usually say it takes for a dog to adjust to life in their new home? And what accommodations or training techniques, like you said, laying down some rules and, and boundaries, um, might make this easier on the transition of the dog? Dogs like routine. They like, they like to fit in, right? So to the question of, of, you know, how to transition them into your house, well, you, you basically bring them into your actions. You know, what is it that's going on in your house? Do, do you spend time outside? And if you do, your dog should be with you, with the kids and everybody else. Transition them into your house right? As soon as possible. Mm -hmm. How long does it take? You know, it varies. You know, puppies, they, puppies have a hard time adjusting away from a parent, from a, from a, you know, mm -hmm. the mother, if, if you pull them from the litter, let's say you have an eight to 10 week old puppy and it's been in the litter all this time. They have a harder time adjusting. And what I mean by that is they're used to a bunch of siblings running around, biting and playing. And a mother, and guess what? All of a sudden they're among a bunch of humans and we're in the training mode and, in the, and the, uh, getting this dog acclimated to your pack mode. Well, they miss the real pack, which is theirs. So, you know, with puppies, it's gonna take a little longer. Typically you're looking at, you know, 10 to 14 days. So it's not forever. Um, at the very beginning, we normally ask people to try to accommodate some things, you know, make them as comfortable as possible. Do use a crate of some sort to, you know, keep them, let's say at nighttime. And it doesn't have to be all night, but you know, set a schedule where you can do that. Go buy yourself a, a, a clock, you know, the old tile, by the way, you can still get them, the old style clicking, the little ticking clocks, get one of those, shut off the ringers, you don't wake them up in the middle of the night and put it in, in the bedding and let them hear that tick, 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 because it kind of resembles a little bit of a heartbeat. And that is what they're used to. They're used to lots of different heartbeats around them as mm -hmm. you know, when they're, they're in the pack. So that kind of helps in it. Um, but the idea is to bring them into the pack. Now, more grown up dogs, uh, and I'm talking, you know, five months, six months old, old and further or older, they blend in pretty quickly. They're looking for a home. They know what it is not to have a home. So you, you bring them into your house and, you know, we've seen them blend in within 24 hours to about a week. They they just want to be part of your pack, especially if you walk them, if you make it a fun experience. Um, and fun experience, by the way, is not getting getting away with murder. You know, it's not about, geez, I, I want my dog to love me. I hear this all the time. I want my dog to love me, so I'm not going to do obedience for the first six months. That's bad news. It's really bad news. The best way to bond with your dog is through obedience, right? Is through command they start understanding. Remember, they're, they're, they're trying to socialize with you. They're trying to blend in. Well, understanding the language is important. So they need to understand what your language is. The same way as you, you need to speak dog, 
right? And speak dog, I don't know if it's about barking or growling. I'm simply saying, what is your dog telling you through body language, right? And they communicate constantly, but it's typically through body language, less on sounds. Humans are the opposite. We communicate with sounds and less on body, you know, but, you know, body actions that you make. That's a really good point and something to be aware of when you're bringing home a dog that might be scared or might be, you know, I feel like there's always some level of intimidation, like you said, when they're used to one setting and you bring them in another setting, no matter what age they are. So that that body language note is good for us all to be aware of. Canine University specializes in dog night, dog bite safety and even offers a training video for kids that helps kids and their parents know how to prevent dangerous situations with dogs. I'd love you, Angel, to talk about that and give us some pointers about how to teach our kids to be safer around pups. And that's maybe a good you know, point to bring up that kids don't always have um, predictable body language. <laughs> especially the younger ones, you know, they're trying to be silly. It's their house too. Um, but how can we really talk them through how a dog might interpret some of their, you know, sometimes a volatile body language? Yep. Yep. Very, very good questions. You know, a, a little background. Um, one of our sister companies is called Dog Bite Safety, which is Dog Bite Safety. And it was created originally many years ago for the sole purpose of educating Field employees, we're talking uh, people like, you know, the drop power lines and people that have to be behind your house or they have to, you know, meter readers that people that have to do physical work in your backyard. And, and, a, and, and a company was created to educate them to not be bitten when they're in someone else's backyard. Again, you know, not only dogs are, are, are they social with family, they're also territorial. Mm -hmm. Right. So. If an intruder is breaking into their backyard, they have every right to defend their backyard and their toys and the family, um, some more aggressive than others, right? It, it all depends on the animal and what, what they're able to do. So understand the company was created for that purpose. And then we morphed into other education that dealt with dog bite safety simply because we started looking at the statistics and we started realizing that half of all the bites are that there are children. So, you know, it, it, you start looking at it from the behavioral side of it and it makes sense, right? So it makes so much sense that they are the first targets or the most of the targets for many reasons. One is they stand typically about the height of most dogs. Um, they don't know, again, how to speak dogs or they don't know the dog language. What is this dog telling them? Are they growling? Are they not? Are they stiff? You know, there's a lot of body language that if they just understand a bit of it, they would be able to not do the wrong things. And this is providing that the age of the child is such where they, there's comprehension, right, on, on what is going on. Um, you know, when they're younger, it's, it's, it's not. They're not capable, period. But um, the other item on, on this is that kids behave in all the wrong ways, which is what we love about them, right? They're kids, they run, they, they horse around, they, you know, if there's two or three of them in the family, I mean, you know, it, it's absolute chaos in the house, right? This is what they do. Um, my wife and I are, are grandparents to five young ones. And by the way, they, they range from 21 to two years of age. And we have one in the hamper right now that should be born in October. We have a great, a great grandchild that I think is gonna be born today. We're all excited about it. So 
um, so we, we're used to the chaos that the kids bring. So we love all that. Well, guess what? That chaos causes issues with dogs. So maybe not the family dog, maybe it's used to the chaos. But if it's a brand new dog to the house, you have no idea where they came from, typically. We don't know if they're used to the chaos. So let's train them into your chaotic children life, which everybody has, or most people have. Um, but the idea here is that one is the kid, the child needs to understand that there are body languages that we must respect, okay? Uh, the obvious growl, the obvious uh, uh, snapping, you know, those are easy for most parents to read. But any dog that freezes in its tracks and they just eyeball you, there's a problem. That dog is, is he may not bite, but he's certainly unhappy at that moment. Why push the buttons? right? Mm -hmm. uh, teach the kids how to deal with dogs, how to be friendly with them, as opposed to, you know, pat, 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 you know, you stroke, 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 right? Mm -hmm. um, some dogs may not like the patting, especially if they're new to the house. Mm -hmm. And if they came from an abusive situation, you may not even know about. Mm -hmm. So pat, pat, pat means an assault. They may assault back. So you have to pay attention. Um, there's so much, there's so much that parents have to do. You wouldn't allow your kid around other dangerous items, look at this new dog as a dangerous item until you get to know the dog well, mm -hmm. okay? Um, the other unfortunate piece is that as humans, we're, we're soft. We have soft skin, we have thin skin, especially kids. And guess what? A, a eight week old dog, an eight week old puppy can actually scratch the daylights out of a child just attempting to play, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So. There, there's a lot to keep an eye on, but, um, you know, basic pointers, uh, one is for the parent, you know, the parents should not be leaving their kids just alone with the new puppy or the new dog, supervise the operation, do small time introductions or slow introductions. And if you see that the dog is too crazy, even friendly crazy, then put the dog away, play with a child or vice versa. <laughs> Right? But the point is, don't let the two habitate together until you're certain that nothing is going to happen. You know, just the, be vigilant in, in that department. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and that, those are really great points. I mean, even the teaching kids how to touch dogs, you know? <laughs> I think um, even the most gentle kids might have a tendency to pat, like you said, and, and dogs might not always respond to that as well, especially um, I've read about their ears, you know, and they don't want to have their ears hit or anything there. So kind of talking kids through some of those things that are common sense to some adults, we're teaching a lot of kids from the ground up, if, especially if they haven't been around animals their whole life. So those are just great points. Metro Family just released a helpful article in conjunction with Canine in which, Angel, you shared your top three tips prevent dog bites. And for those of you listening, you can find it in our current issue, the May-June issue, on page 18 and 19. But I'd love to talk about what some of the most important things families need to know and parents need to teach their kids, um, maybe that you talked about within that article. Sure, sure. So I'll start with how I ended the last the last question, and that is parents have to be vigilant, right? You must be on top of the child as it relates to a dog, whether it's your own dog or whether it's the neighbor dog. Now, that vigilance will drop 
you know, off the radar screen as you do your own dog. You, you get to the point where you're saying, you know, Max is never going to do a thing simply because I know Max and Max is a great dog, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not, you haven't seen those problems, but it depends on the age of the child. If you're looking at a one-year-old, a two-year-old, you know, you have no idea how, uh, how unreliable your kid is going to act. Okay. And I, and I mean that in a, in a friendly way. Okay. And what I mean is that kids are just simply unpredictable and they're going to do the unpredictable stuff, which is why we like them and we love them. But you know, how is the dog going to read it? So be vigilant, right? To parents, you, you wouldn't put your kid in a, in a, in a other, in a different type of dangerous situation. Teach this, teach them this is the same way. Um, then let's start teaching them the signs. You know, there, there are other countries around the world where dogs have been around a bit longer than they have here. I'm talking domestic trained animals have been around a lot longer than here. And you know something, that population has less of a dog bite issue than we do, simply because it's already been inbred through generations of racing kids. You know, it, it, everybody knows the basics and they teach those as they move along. Mm -hmm. So why, why don't we do the same? Right. I mean, let's let's start identifying with the children how to pet them, how to touch any any animal, um, how certain things may be looked on as abuse to the dog. Right. The fact that you're pulling on an ear and you brought that up earlier, that is excellent. You start pulling on ears. Well, guess what? A, a two year old, a three year old, he's just he or she is just playing with a dog. Right. And, and they don't have the proper dexterity. And so, you know, you say pet the dog. I mean, they may grab a tail and pull. Uh, you know, let's teach them and anytime they do that you say no 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 you you know you you stroke this is how you you know pet the dog you stroke you pet them this way no you don't pat them um start understanding that the next item is what i was touching on also earlier and that is start teaching the basic body language right um tail wags you know everybody in the world walks away with gee the dog has got a tail wag so he must be great he's friendly it's okay to leave my dog my, my kids playing with them and they may take you know, their eyes off the ball or off the kid in this case. Um, but guess what? A tail wag is not exactly a friendly gesture. It's, it's a dog that is confident. Okay, and that's great that you have a confident dog or the neighbor's dog is confident. That doesn't mean they're not going to bite. So pay attention to a tail wag. Uh, one of the universal signs in dogs that you believe that you should believe that they're pretty friendly and you're not going to have an issue is more of a butt wag. And that's when the butt is wagging the tail basically or wagging the dog um not the tail the, the tail wagging alone is just confidence which is like i said is better than a dog that is fearful which is you know a drop tail etc but it doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be assaulted it, if anything sometimes sometimes that confidence brings up even a worse part mm. um so teach kids not to do a lot of eyeballing there's no reason to be staring the dog in the eye especially when the child might be the same height especially if you have a large dog you have a you know rottweiler german shepherd a you know a great dane think about a great dane you'll have a, a 10 12 year old that would be eye height right so <laughs> teach them that you know there's plenty of other things to do but staring into the eyes is not a good idea now that is more true with a neighbor dog and the other neighbor dog etc cetera, etc cetera, dogs in the neighborhood um just know that most dog bites are for kids or you know bites happen to kids happened with dogs that were family dogs, the neighbor dog, the family dog, neighborhood dog. Those are the ones that are biting the kids. And that's because 
the kid acted inappropriately, and I mean that in a negative way again, it, the kid acted like a kid, right? Um, most dogs are, have a predatory reaction, and that's because they're prey animals. Mm -hmm. So if they see something run, they're going to logically chase it. Now, will every dog chasing a child a bicycle bite? Well, not necessarily, but some will. So why provoke it, right? So teach the kid, hey, you don't run away from the dog, right? You, if you feel uncomfortable, you back away from the dog, but you don't run away, right? Uh, don't take your eyes off the dog when you're walking away. Don't just turn your back and go because, you know, to a fearful dog, that may be time strike so the point is that you know look at the animal as is this dog likes likes to chase rabbits so why am i acting like a rabbit right <laughs> so teach teach the kids don't run away that's the best way not to be a rabbit right so there's there's a lot of dog language that comes you know with the animal they're always telegraphing and some of these are so simple as i mentioned before you follow these steps and you're likely not to ever be assaulted like the same thing with a bicycle. Kids love bicycles. They're around the neighborhood. Look, if you're about to go near your neighbor's house and the dog is loose up there, then teach your child to get off the bike and just push it. Mm -hmm. Right? And I know it's not as much fun as moving 20 miles an hour in front of it, but it is a lot safer to push the bike as opposed to ride the bike. Again, you know, it's that predatory reflex that most dogs have. Right. Right. Well, and to your point earlier about the dogs are pack animals, you're bringing them into your family, you're treating them like one of the pack. You know, if my son hits his sister, she might hit back, you know, so there's certain cause and reactions that we're constantly even teaching between siblings and kind of bringing the dog into that fold. There's cause and reactions between the dogs and the siblings. So kind of thinking about that in the same way, I like having some of those tips right off the top of my head and just being aware, you know, that's something I feel like as parents, we're constantly trying to teach our kids to be aware of their surroundings. <laughs> but it's especially important when there's unleashed dogs to your point and, and we are moving at fast speeds like we always are when we were with our little kids. Um, so those are really good points for us to really train in and, um, and being aware of their own spaces um, and how they're reacting to animals is obviously a huge safety point. No, I, I absolutely agree that the, the, the bottom line here is that we are charted the responsibility of keeping our kids safe. You know, it sounds, it, it's an obvious statement, right? But we take our eyes off the ball when we're dealing with Fido. You know, it's okay for my kid to be with Fido or my grandchild to be with Fido. Well, you better really get to know your dog well. And I, I don't want everybody now to go away and think that they have a killer on their hands because you may not. But the point is, why take the risk with new dogs? Why take a risk with a new dog to the family? Why take a risk with the family, you know, the, the family next door whose dog is also territorial? Remember, it's just bred into them. Mm -hmm. So if he's territorial to their family and your child goes over there and the two kids are just horsing around, one mm -hmm. is likely to be bitten mm -hmm. simply because they're kids. Right. Right. And it's up to us to kind of be those eyes when the kids are not <laughs> being able to be as aware as they maybe should. 
Um, on that note, is it true, you know, we might kind of have our own preconceived notions of certain dog breeds based on our own experiences, maybe growing up, maybe we were bit by a dog um, as a child, but um, is it true that there are dog breeds that are more prone to biting? Um, and then talk about maybe how these behaviors can hopefully or cannot be trained out. Sure, sure. So that's a good question and it's, and it's interesting and, and it's funny when someone says yes and no, the same question, but so, you know, is there one breed more specifically prone to biting kids? So I'm not a breed specific person. I've seen, you know, in my 38 years of professional training and doing behavior work, I've seen every dog breed out there bite somebody. Yeah. So, you know, someone can say, gee, I want a golden because they don't bite. You know, I've seen goldens bite. I've seen chihuahuas bite. I've seen smaller dogs bite more often than larger dogs. Okay. Um, and by the way, there's a lot of reasons for that. And primarily is that people promote them. If you have a five pound dog, they're always in your lap, they're always in you. Well, this dog has promoted over time to be the king of the kingdom. And, and guess what? You get the results of promoting a dog to that level. You wouldn't be carrying your 80 pound dog the same way. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, so are there breeds that are specifically more dangerous towards children? In my opinion, not necessarily. However, However, there are breeds that have higher prey drive, which again, kids act like rabbits, they run, they're, they're quirky, they move, they're just clowns. And guess what? If, if they're around a dog that is, you know, it's got high predatory reflex because it's been bred into them, you know, your healers, it's been bred into them to have high predatory drive. Labs is the same way. You know, I don't expect that it's going to be a, a, a very serious bite, but you know, any dog that is it's a hurting animal is likely to hurt, which means nip mm -hmm. if there's something that's running around that it's acting like crazy sheep or crazy rabbits, okay? So uh, they're likely to do that unless taught otherwise, meaning have we taken them through a foundational type program where we say, no, you know, humans don't play that way. Humans don't like to be hurt this way. You can bump into them, but you cannot nip them you cannot bite them so you know these things are trainable out of out of dogs it's, it's not a you know it's, it's not a do or die it's not like gee i have a hurting dog therefore i gotta tolerate all hurting behavior no you know teach them to hurt differently right and it's mm -hmm. easy to do if you take them through, through training and and behavioral curving but so so to the parents looking for dogs think about what dog are you bringing into the house? Is it a hurting dog? Is it a, not a hurting dog? Is it a large breed? Is it a small breed? There's so much to ask before you bring that dog into the house. Even if it's mixed, figure out just by the looks of the animal what could possibly be there and expect those behaviors to come out. You know, if you, if you get a dog that has got, you know, some sort of defensive breeding into them, like German Shepherd or Vladis or, you know, then expect that this dog is going to have some defensive qualities about them. Now, a little more on the topic, and that is as to the quality of the bite. What I mean by that is the severity of the bite. Well, without a question, dogs that have been bred to be defensive, and I mentioned a couple, you know, German Shepherd, Rottweiler, uh, Dobies, uh, you know, uh, um, um, gosh, there's a dozen of them. If you, if you get a dog that has those qualities, or that kind of breeding, then expect that the bite severity is gonna be worse or higher. 
-hmm. simply because that's what they've been taught to do through generations and they've been bred into this through generations so even untaught their bite is going to be harder now if you look at a hunting dog through generations of breeding we have taught them the opposite and what i mean by that is you know you can ask any hunter and i'm not one but you can ask any hunter to say you know what are the best qualities of your dog and that is that they will not tenderize the bird when they shoot it and what i mean by that is they shoot a bird and they tell the dog to go get it well they don't want a piece of rag to be brought back they want a very pristine looking bird so you certainly wouldn't teach a german shepherd to go do that because you may not you know see much of the bird <laughs> so again back to the breeding so certain breeds have been bred to basically not tenderized which means don't bite hard but again back to the soft skin doesn't matter how much a dog touches a child they're going to bleed if they get touched by those teeth Right. Those are great points to think about, especially the herding dogs. And I've got kind of a follow-up question. I hope you'll indulge me a minute. So our job as parents is to usually, you know, we talk about safety, but usually a lot of that is also de-escalating the situation. <laughs> so no matter what your initial response or reaction um, might be, it's our job to kind of keep that in check because kids and in this instance, dogs absorb your tone and your emotion and your um, body language. We talked about that. Um, when, if a dog does bite or is in a situation where you see maybe something progressing into a dangerous situation, you know, your heart rate automatically elevates. You feel hot. You feel like you need to yell. Um, what should be our response in those situations so we're not acting out of fear and panic and, and really tipping what might be just a cautious situation over the edge into a dangerous situation? Yeah, no, that is a great question. So a few things. One is back to the point of the dog's need a structure, they need a formation, right? Uh, let's assume you just brought this dog in two, three days ago and you haven't had a chance yet to start your formal training. You're all signed up, you're ready to go, but now you just saw something. Maybe the kid was in the room and he growled, he did this, he did that. Um, until you have professional opinion, right? Is this dog acting that way out of fear, out of defense, aggression, what is going on in his little head that he acted that way? Um, is this something that is fixable? Now, like I said earlier, a good behavior could fix almost any one of these issues. And I hate to say the word fixed because it's not a, a repair job. It's, it, it's, it's really a behavioral you know, process that you go through. Um, but the idea is if you if you see that kind of behavior that is really negative, it's pull them away from that. The reaction as a parent, I, I tell you, it's hard, no matter what I say here, to get a parent to not overreact over the situation, okay? It, I put myself in the same position. You would overreact if your child is a danger, no matter what it is. But what is the proper reaction? Without a doubt, there's an interruption, right? If the dog does something, whether he's been trained or not, your dog needs to hear your tone, your action, needs to see that, hey, you are protecting this human life, right? This is part of my pack and not yours. You don't get to reprimand it. I recommend everybody if I have to, mm -hmm. right? You, mm -hmm. you have to immediately establish the fact that you are this alpha leader in your pack. And if the dog misbehaves in a way that you 
something you don't like, then stop in the right tone, which by the way, I tell that parents that there is no wrong tone, especially if you're defending your child. The right tone is going to automatically come out, okay? <laughs> um, but don't go any further than that. There's no reason for for uh, physical you know, interaction with the dog in that way. It's, it's a solid short stop. By the way, uh, just a little tip, any command, any word you say, when you shorten it, it sounds with a lot of authority, okay? Um, you can say butter in a very authoritative way, right? By shortening how fast you say it. So it shouldn't be stop because simply it sounds like a question. It should be stop, mm -hmm. right? Just say the command um, and move on. Try not to use the word no. And the reason is I haven't yet met a family that doesn't use the word no. I don't know, especially with kids, about a thousand, two thousand times a day. So there's no reason to confuse, you know, the dog all day long with a command that you, you know, you think it's okay to use all day long because the kid is about to jump out the window and you're saying, no, no, don't do that. No, put this down. Um, oh, by the way, if you watch sports, we yell the word no. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's, it's that kind of, that kind of, um, that kind of interruption that the dog's going to need, just say it like you mean it. Um, and and then watch the behavior of the dog and see what's going on. And then immediately follow once you see the behavior. Most dogs, by the way, will back up. They'll realize that this little human being is part of your pack and I can't mess with it. But watch it, right? And if, and if you don't like what you're seeing, basically, if this dog's not backing off, then quickly just say, go to your kennel or go to their room, go outside get them out of the situation, let everybody cool off. Then you can, you know, take the time to say, all right, I, I need to get him in a little quicker. I need to do an evaluation. What is going on? Mm -hmm. um, just get to the bottom line about this dog before you blend him into your family, thinking that, well, he's new to the house. It's He was afraid. And by the way, this is what we do. We start talking ourselves, you know, in circles and, and, and justifying the wrong behavior, right? So, um, again, back to the human side, you wouldn't justify your kid's behavior breaking your you know, neighbor's window, right? You wouldn't say, well, I never told him not to break a window. So, you know, it, no, it, you know, you, you've been raising a, a proper kid. You don't expect that. So when it does happen, there's probably a slight consequence, right? The same thing with a dog. That's a great answer, yes. Keeping charge of our tone is, I feel, one of the most difficult jobs of a parent <laughs> when you have a lot of emotion, when you have that mama bear inside of you. <laughs> but that those tips, using that word phrasing that's shorter, authoritative, and, and kind of leaving it there, even when you're maybe shaking a little bit, you know, those are good those are good tips for us to have on the top of our mind um, when we're dealing with household pets or neighbor dogs, like you said. So I'd like to talk a little bit about um, scenarios. You might you might have different um, experiences with your dog in your home. Maybe you waited a while, like you'd mentioned, or maybe you're getting on top of training right away. Every dog has a different personality, especially depending on their age. So I'd love to talk about scenarios in which tr private training might be better, or maybe group class training might be better. Um, I know there's boarding training options. Can you talk about the pros and cons of each method um, and what you recommend as more effective for different personalities? 
Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And by the way, in my opinion, as long as you're training the dog, there's probably no wrong method, right? But the idea is get, get a foundation behind, behind your dog and you're going to have a, a friend for life as opposed to a nuisance, okay? Uh, you know, there's been a lot of studies as to how great dogs are relative to human health, you know, lower pressure, blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. And there's also uh, a single study that I've seen, and I'm, I'm dying to see another one, that says the opposite, but, but it really talks about dogs with behavioral issues. So what, what happens is that if you have a dog that's got severe behavior issues, guess what? Your blood pressure is going to be higher. There's going to be miracle issues because not everybody agrees with you know, what's going on with the dog. Um, so anyway, so yeah, there's, there is, there's a lot to be said about that. So you have to train. Now, as the training uh, opportunities and methods, et cetera, or, or, or programs, you know, your, your group class is what most people know about, right? This is where you put, you know, 10 dogs in a class, uh, with our handlers and their families, et cetera. In our, in our facility, we just like having families around. So, you know, some other places, they want one dog, one person. We say, bring the pack. The only time we changed that, it was during the COVID days. Uh, we have two years of, you know, just single, single handler. And now we're saying, just bring a family and train your dog, okay? That way everybody knows the commands and they know what to do and everybody partakes in the fun. So a group class, again, 10 dogs, the families, and you go through a routine. You know, especially in basic obedience, it takes about five weeks. You go through this routine. Everybody goes at the same time. Uh, individual attention is not 100% the goal because you have 10 dogs that we need to progress along. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Now, the interesting part about um, a group class is that it's set at a particular time. So if you, if you pick Tuesday night, let's say 6 o'clock or Wednesday morning, well, that's the class that you stay in for those five weeks. So... You have to have the flexibility of having that available. Some people just don't. Okay, so if you do, it's a pretty inexpensive way of getting your dog trained, your hands on. You do everything. You do your homework at nighttime, and you'll have, you know, without a doubt, a good dog in about five weeks. The next point is the same type of training that I just mentioned that happens in a group class. You can do privately. That's one on one. It's going to be your family, your dog, and one trainer. And you go through the same training, plus the fact that it's individualized. You get to ask all your individual questions, and all your issues that you may or may not want to bring up in public, right? So you get to talk about what is it that you need help with? What is it that's bugging you? Sometimes you don't care if the dog sits or not. You just don't want him on your bed. He's a bed dog. So we show you and teach you how to break that bad habit, right? Or that habit out of the dog. So private one-on-one, -on -one, it's you know, what it says. Now, the flexibility is that you set it anytime you want. It's not preset to a certain time. You set it where, whenever you're available and family's available, after school, whatever. And you say, okay, this is my hour and let's do it then. And you get that attention. You still get the same training. And it happens a lot quicker. Instead of taking five weeks, typically you can go through the whole program in two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. So and what I mean by that is two to three sessions. We like separating them by a week because you have homework. All of this comes down to doing the homework at home, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, and then last but not least, boarding school. Boarding school, is, it's a little differently in that, you know, if, if, you, if we come across a family that just doesn't have the time, you know, there's a lot of professionals, very, very busy, uh, and they just want the dog trained. So mm -hmm. we normally meet with them. We get, we get a pretty good idea of what it is that is going on with them and 
what is happening to the dog? What are the holdups? You know, what is it that is such an issue with this dog in the, in the pack? And we put a plan together that says how we're going to go fix it. We, we propose a time frame. This might take seven days, it might take 10. You know, we propose a time frame. Uh, families get to basically negotiate a time frame. What I mean by that is if they give us a list of 50 items and we say, geez, this is going to take three weeks, they may say, well, what can we do in one week? And we go, well, sure, let's break it down. And it may, we may do it one week at a time with a break in between, or maybe, you know, finances only allows one week. But at least we hit the big items that they're concerned about, right? And we get those fixed. Then at the end of that time, basically the dog stays with us. We do all the training. At the end of that time, we bring the family in. We do, you know, a a, a visit with them. We show them what the dog is doing. We explain the commands. We teach the family how to do it. And again, back to the homework. We expect them to do some homework at home because mm -hmm. just like a child, you don't just send them to school and you don't practice at home, right? You practice everything you do at home. The same thing with a dog. They, mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're highly intelligent, but, you know, you, you have to do the maintenance. <laughs> the maintenance is the training that must happen at home. So anyway, it, back to the beginning is that all three methods are good. It all depends on the family and what they're able to muster. Um, as far as price, you know, it's just another group is going to be a little cheaper than than, than a, a private. And it, if you're going to have professional trainer, trainers handle your dog day in and day out all day long, such a, a, as a boarding school, then that one's going to be a little bit pricier. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I appreciate you walking us through that. And, and those are realistic things to think about, you know, how much time we have to dedicate, like you said, to the homework. Um, and of course, even if you do board a dog, the training doesn't stop there. It still needs to be reinforced at home. And so just breaking down those options and what's realistic for our family is really, those are really good things to think about. In conclusion, this has just been so wonderful to talk about, but I know, you know, there's so many things, so many different ways you can answer this question, but if you would, what is the one thing, this big piece of advice that you want to leave parents with when they're facing a decision to bring home a furry friend, to introduce them to their kids, to bring them into their pack, into their family? What's that big piece of advice that you want our listeners to leave thinking about as we leave this conversation today? You know, Kirsten, you, you ask a very loaded question and then you narrow me down to one answer. Um, so I'm going to give you a paragraph. Then, then I can give you multiple answers. What do you think? Perfect. Um, so, so whenever you're thinking about, geez, I want to bring a dog into the house, there are so many factors. You know, what is your motivation? What, what is the timing? Why, why are you bringing this dog in? Um, does the family have allergies? Do they not have allergies? Because that's really there are hypoallergenic dogs out there so pick one of them if you have any member in your family that has allergies why why harass them with them with that kind of, of, a, of a issue through their life and through the life of the dog or worse yet get rid of the dog six months later because gosh the family cannot live with this because it's you know of allergies um have you considered uh, a breed or mixed breed or what is it you know have you considered the source okay um, have you considered whether you want to, you know, an active dog? Do you have an active house? If you have an active household, don't get an inactive dog, okay? It's going to be boring. No one's going to like them. <laughs> you want a high-energy animal, right? Um, but the big, the big item, in my opinion, and I, and I coach people all the time, is to do your numbers. Do the dollars and cents. And I'm not talking about the adoption fee or the purchase fee. I'm talking about the maintenance fee, right? What is this dog gonna cost you every year? 
look, between food and uh, veterinary costs and vaccines and grooming, okay, and what I mean by grooming is if you get a dog that is hypoallergenic, they will be grooming. The, the hair keeps growing just like humans. You have to cut it. You got to do things with it. Uh, typically about once a month to once every six weeks. Uh, some people do more. If you have a dog that is not hypoallergenic, you still got to bring them into the vet, uh, into a groomer every two months or so to clean them all out, unless you do it yourself, right? Then you can cut the expenses. But if you put all this together, you're looking at spending anywhere between $1,000 to $1,500 a year in dog expenses. Is that part of the family budget? That's it's a question that needs to be thought out. And if you're in the income bracket where that doesn't matter, that's okay. Then, then go for it. Then take that out of the question. But it doesn't eliminate the why are you bringing this dog in? Do we have allergies? Um, is this the right timing? And if you're raising a child and you have you know an 18-month-old at home, I know you want them to have a kid, but you, I mean a, a dog, but you may want to wait until they're about three or four years of age so they know how to treat the dog and they have a growing experience as opposed to you having two kids to manage around the house, right? So th think that through as well. So th there's a lot about it. Dogs can bring a lot of joy, but boy, can they bring a lot of, you know, uh, uh, chaos to a family too, if you're trying to raise them. Hopefully this helps. It does help. So many things to think about. I mean, it's another family member, like we keep mentioning. So these are all things that are, that are, you know, as you think about if you were bringing another child into the home, it's a huge responsibility. It's a lot of work. It can also be a lot of joy and a lot of enrichment to your life. So I so appreciate your time, Angel. These um, points have given us a lot, you know, that we can just pull right out the top of our head when we were faced with these situations, a lot to think about. Um, and I know that you've got so much more information that you can share with families. So, um, if you are interested in more information from Angel, do check out Metro Family's article in this issue on dog bites, as well as Canine University's video series, The Adventures of Frankie, Franny and Frankie, excuse me. Learn more at www.myk9u.com or www.dogbitesafety.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Angel. Thank you to our listeners and join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.